This is Pace the Nation. Welcome into Pace the Nation, broadcasting back here at Studio 1A in downtown Arlington, Virginia. We are back on a cold, snowy afternoon in the heart of all things. Of course, that's Clarendon. (laughs) I'm in Clarendon. I'm your host, Chris Farley. And back again, also in Arlington, but on the other side in West Arlington, my co-host wife, it's Julie Cully. Julie, what's up? Hey, I know. I'm still here at West Arlington. Can you believe it? You haven't gravitated back towards the center of the universe quite yet. Soon, soon, soon. Yeah. But uh, we hear you loud and clear. Uh, So great to great to be back. And um, Chris, I know it's it's hard to believe, but they do have high speed Internet in West Arlington. I know. Believe it or not. So I I am able to have clear articulation today. Well, you know, sometimes with these snowstorms, you never know because it has been it has been uh, touch and go here in Arlington with the snow. Yeah. Uh, but we're up and running. Roads are clear. Pace mm-hmm. the Nation is back. All is right in the world. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> thrilled to be back again for another another episode. Um, so, Julie, it's our first episode of the new year. OK, so our New Year's resolution is to let's get this thing going again. Um and I know people who are, are tuning in are longtime listeners of the show or viewers now, new viewers of the show, were like, wait a second, what the heck was that music? What is that? Yeah. Is this, is this, the, same show? Is this the same show I've known and, 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 and love over the, over the years? Uh, in fact, it is. Uh, but that's a new uh, theme music as we reboot. Uh, we're going to have a new logo. Uh, new theme music. Uh, some, as as I mentioned, maybe on the last show, uh, we've got some new behind the scenes editing. Our, our our guy Chris from Ref the District is is helping us out. So, twenty twenty two, it's a new pace the nation. Exciting stuff. Yeah, I mean, I do think that one of your New Year's resolutions needs to be to stop making commitments about the show. So. Uh, no- Less do not overpromise. No overpromising. So okay. probably the last ten episodes, which basically is the last year. Yeah. There's been a recommitment every yep. single time. Chris Farley yep. gets on the mic and he's like, "Guys, we're back. We're doing it every two weeks. We've got this. We've got great content." And then we go silent for like six weeks. Yep. So your New Year's resolution, and I think the fans will appreciate this, mm-hmm. is to chill out commit and just show up and get the job done all right all right it sounds like you're it sounds like you're committed as well so we are we are we are in together uh yeah it's funny my brother who i saw over the holiday he said um i really enjoyed your last show where julie interviewed you um but i've been waiting for this promise to come to fruition Of your every two week show. And I yep. keep refreshing, keep refreshing. And so I know that's a lot of others' experience as well. Uh, but we're back and better than ever. We are back and uh, 
wanted to you know give props to, to to my guy Chris at Rep the District who's helping us out and and Richmond John with that music and he's going to do some stuff with us because um, he's got a really cool vibe for the intro and he'll do some uh, musical interludes musical interludes uh, great for us, great reference for great as, term as well yeah so uh, but to, but all right so we've got that out of the way I've overpromised I will deliver on that yeah um, really have an exciting show today. Um, we're going to have some fun with our guests, but to also talk about a real serious topic, um, the Marshall fires that are happening or have happened in uh, Boulder, Colorado and that surrounding area. Uh, professional runner for Saucony, Laura Thweet, will be joining us today. Uh, she was the fifth place finisher in the Atlanta Olympic trials, narrowly missing the Olympic team by 16 seconds. Um, so we'll talk to her a little bit about that and what she's doing. She also ran the New York City Marathon. Now, oh, I know someone who ran the New York City Marathon. Yeah, she probably didn't talk Did about it Did she have an much. entourage and no. a video made of her the way that probably not, Chris Farley did? We'll have to ran, ask her. She, yeah. <laughs> she, she ran 30 she minutes had a high level. Yeah, she probably had a high-level performance and, and did it quietly. Did yeah, it. she was eighth place and just did it uh, yeah. quietly. Yeah, but uh, she <laughs> ran the New York City Marathon. So we could compare notes there. Okay. Uh, but we'll talk a little bit about her running, but a lot about all the things that are happening in Colorado and all the things that Laura is doing to actually help out our community. So awesome stuff. Uh, coming from Laura Thweet. So without further ado, Julie, excited to be joined next on Pace the Nation by Saucony Pro Runner Laura Thweet. She joins us here on Pace the Nation, coming up right now. Pace the Nation is brought to you by Pacers Running Stores. Pacers has six stores in Northern Virginia and DC for the best running footwear, apparel, and gear. Just stop by or schedule a virtual fitting with the best running experts in the business. Pacers Running exists to help as many people as possible through running. For every run, it's Pacers Running. All right, welcome back to the program. And now, Julie, we are excited to be joined over the StreamYard stream by Laura Thweet, professional Hello. runner for uh, Saucony. How you doing, Laura? Good to see you. I'm good, guys. How are you? I'm excited to be on the show. Well, we are doing fantastic. Um Great to, great to have you. I know short notice in typical Pace the Nation fashion. Julie probably texted you this morning and uh, <laughs> you're, Wake up. you're, you're on, um, but really excited to talk to you about your running and, and all that's happening and all that you're doing. Um, but before I get to that, uh, I was kind of perusing your uh, Instagram and it is uh, L-T-H-W-E-A-T-T. -T. Give her a follow on Instagram. It uh, looks like you've been traveling after the New York City Marathon. We mentioned you did the New York City Marathon. Um, look like warm climate. As we as we sit here in freezing cold, icy weather here in Arlington, Virginia, right outside Washington, D.C., where did you go that was so nice and warm? Yeah, well, to make you guys feel better, it is a horribly miserable day here. It is okay, like good. freezing rain, which is Perfect. not typical for Colorado. So really enjoying that. Um, so yes, I would like to go back uh, and live my dream, which uh, I went to Hawaii. I went to Maui, oh, nice. uh, like a couple weeks after the new on, and I went with fellow marathoners, Molly Seidel and uh, Emma Bates. Yes. So we had an amazing trip. 
Uh, I thrived down there. I do great in tropical climates. Put me on a beach. Uh, we went snorkeling. We went to a luau. We hiked a volcano. Oh uh, we did some running. Uh, it was great. It was an amazing trip. And we decompressed from a big year. Uh, all of us ran fall marathons. Molly obviously had that amazing Olympic performance as well. So lots of things to celebrate. Emma crushed Chicago. Uh, I survived New York. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so there was a lot to celebrate. So we had a great trip. Um, so, and I so wish I was there right now. <laughs> we, we uh, Our family has gone to Hawaii around this time. Um, not this year, but the previous two years, or maybe it was pre-COVID, Julie. Remind me yeah, what year. Yeah, we haven't been since 2019. Isn't it yeah. an amazing time to go in December to Hawaii? I mean, oh, is there not was, an amazing time to go to Hawaii? I was going to say, I don't know when an amazing time would not be, but it was beautiful. Um, perfect weather. We got really lucky because there was really big storms right before we left and then immediately after we left so we had this amazing five-day window of just great weather um so yeah it was it was a blast uh so much fun so i might make that a i think we want to do a traditional hawaii trip yeah (laughs) every fall just cap the year with hawaii (laughs) for, for the listeners uh you know, we're talking about three of the best American marathoners together. Uh, Molly Seidel, who was a, uh, the bronze medalist in uh, the Olympics. Emma Bates just had an amazing marathon. Which one did she do? She did Chicago. Chicago. Second, then, 224. Pretty incredible yeah. stuff right there. <laughs> then, then Laura, uh, who we're going to talk about all your accolades and all the, the great things that you've done. So pretty cool, pretty fast uh, group there in Hawaii. Um did anybody recognize you guys when you were there? <laughs> um, and by recognize, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they definitely recognize Molly and I'm sure mm-hmm. Emma. Um, and then they're like, oh, that was probably like they were with a friend. It was so nice <laughs> to see them. <laughs> um, no, it was actually really funny because Molly and Emma obviously have Strava. So yeah. I think we were running basically the same route every day from our Airbnb. And so like the fourth day, a guy came out and was like, oh, I noticed you guys were here. I saw your Strava. just wanted to come Talking. out and like, yeah, cheer you guys on. And then we were doing a long run like out on this highway, um, like 25, 30 minutes from where we were staying. And appara- after I stopped, Molly and Emma kept going. And apparently a woman on a bike like blew by them. And, they- and she was like, oh, my God, congratulations, Molly. Like wow. She's famous everywhere. I mean, rightfully so. She's just had yeah. an amazing couple of years. But yeah, it was funny. We got a couple a couple uh fans out on yes. the island. Fantastic. So that was pretty cool. That yeah. Cool. It makes you think like Strava is such an incredible tool, but right? also a little creepy. Yeah. It was a little creepy. Slightly. Like in that moment, I was like, oh yikes. Like people, yeah, <laughs> they can see where you are, they can follow your route. So I don't have one. I'm old fashioned. I am not a techie. I'm not really mm-hmm. up to date with, you know, what everyone's doing and like all these things. Um, I still write all my stuff in just like a journal. Uh, and that's it. it. So no one knows where I am. I just, you know, that's I just cool. pop up wherever. So that's awesome. All right. Well, let's, let's, we'll, we're going to talk about the fires, but let's talk uh, about uh, your, your running. Um, amazing job in New York. You said it was a bit of a struggle, but you were eighth place there. Mm-hmm. I'd say you have to be happy with that finish in the major marathon, correct? Yeah, no, I, uh, I was happy with my, my race at New York. I ran my second fastest marathon time. Um, and I, I ran New York as my debut back in 2015 and I beat that time by like a minute and a half. 
Uh, and then, yeah, like you said, to be top 10 at a world major, especially a major like New York with the field mm -hmm. that they always are able to put together one of the deepest fields uh, in the history of that race. So, yeah, I all in all, it was a great day. Um, I know I'm capable of more. Uh, mm -hmm. I fell short of a few of the goals I had initially gone in having set for myself. Uh, but I ran hard. I literally left everything mm -hmm. <laughs> out on that course. I joke, but seriously, part of my soul is like still out there. Like, I don't think it's like fully come back to my body yet. So yeah, I mean, when you do that, you can't be, you can't be on too happy with the day. Cause there's just, you know, I left it all out there. There was nothing left when I crossed that finish line. So I battled hard. <laughs> That's awesome. And, uh, and there is nothing like New York. So congratulations no. there. Yeah, you were out there. Uh, I was. I was, I was out there. I was out there. I ran 258. So I was about 30 minutes, Boom. Behind, a little hey, over 30 minutes three. behind you. Yeah, but sub yeah. three. Chris uh, has a 23, is it 23 correct. years? 23 year streak of oh running under three hours for a yeah. marathon. Yeah. So look at you. He's 45 now. Too. He's getting up there. So he's holding <laughs> first, on strong. We had oh, a baby yeah. over the summer. So yes, congratulations. Really, you guys. Yeah. More, more about me, please. No, we me. don't yeah, need yeah. to talk about you. Yeah. Fans have heard <laughs> enough. We had an entire so, interview just on Chris's <laughs> marathon. So. so Laura, we, uh, Julie and I were in Atlanta. And I just want to say it, you inspiring effort out there. And we're talking about, of course, the 2020 Olympic trials. Um, you're one of the names that everybody thought could make the team. Uh, and you led the race. How long did you lead the race? And tell us a little about uh, that marathon trials uh, in your experience. Yeah, I, um, I think I led like over 12 miles of yeah. that race. So like about halfway. Um, a lot of people questioned that choice as did I later on, but, um, honestly, that was the only way for me to run it. That was the only way, uh, for me to really put it all out there and to give myself every opportunity and, and chance to make that team. Um, I love to run from the front. I love to be aggressive. That was a course made for me. I'm a strength runner. I love Hills. The conditions were also pretty brutal. That wind yeah. was ghastly. So yeah. Um, all in all, it was just, I felt like it was my day and my course to go out there and do what I love to do and to do it the way that I love to do it. Um, it was an incredibly deep field, probably one of the deepest ever at an, uh, Olympic marathon trials. Um, so again, I just felt like I had to run that aggressive in order to make that team, um, against so many incredible women. Like that was the only way for me to do it. So like how, how disappoint, I mean, so you were fifth place, 16 seconds from third like how disappointing is that yeah no it was heartbreaking um it's heartbreaking crossing that line knowing that you fell short and anyone as julie knows at an olympic trials if you're not top three you're heartbroken regardless of what the race was um but it was also really bittersweet because that was my kind of return to the marathon um i you know i'd run london in 2017 pr'd had a horrible pelvic injury that took me out for almost a year um, got myself to Chicago in 2019 and got the qualifier. So Atlanta was really like my first marathon, like back on the scene where I really proved to myself. And I think everyone else that I still have what it takes to be one of the best. Um, and so I was really proud of my effort. I was proud of the way that I ran that race. I was proud that I put everything out on the line. That's where you want to do it. You want to yeah. put everything out there at the Olympic trials. Um, and so I did that and I fell short. Um, so it was heartbreaking, but I was also really proud of that race. And I felt like that was my like reintroduction back to the marathon. Um, so it was a very bittersweet moment crossing that finish line for sure. Yeah. I, 
Chris is going to focus on the end result um, for, for the drama here, but I just love hearing from your voice. Like you're going to run your race, right? Yeah. Like if you go out there and you run someone else's race, like you cross that finish line, no matter where you, where you finish and you say, man, I, I didn't stay true to myself, you know? And if that's yeah. the type of runner you are, I mean, the confidence you have to stand on the starting line that day and be like, this is my course. This plays to my strengths. I'm going for it. It is, but it was the deepest field we've ever had by far. Every time we assemble a, a field at a major or a trials, it's the deepest field we've ever had because American distance running just keeps going off the charts. We saw that this past weekend. Oh, it's incredible what we're yeah. seeing right now. It's so cool to be a part of it, but yeah, you, to be, to be in it, you really have to, you know, not be afraid to throw yourself into right. the race uh, and to have that confidence, like you were saying. So uh, if you can do that, regardless of the result, I think that's always something to be proud of. All right. You, uh, yeah, go, Chris. All right. Well, I just want one question before we move on from this. Uh, you told the story on Allie on the, on Allie on the Runs podcast, um, sitting in drug testing. <laughs> tell, tell us about that and tell our audience, you know, why would you be drug tested if you're fifth? Like, what's that process? And who are you there with? Tell us about it. Oh man, Des is going to hate me. So, um, I, <laughs> um, yeah, so it's funny. They, uh, drug test top five at the trials or they did at least in Atlanta. Um, and, uh, it is heartbreaking because you're in there with the top three who had incredible days, all so deserving to be on that team. You're happy for them. They're your friends, your fellow competitors, but fourth and fifth are in there and you're just heartbroken because you're like, well, it wasn't my day and I missed the team. And so they're in there, you know, so excited, celebrating. And then you're just kind of sitting there just like, I'm horribly sad and heartbroken. Like it's such a weird like dynamic in there. Um, but I was sitting on the ground next to Des and we were both obviously pretty quiet and pretty, you know, I think heartbroken with the result of the day as far she as where we ended up. She yeah. was fourth. She outkicked me uh, with like 800 to go. She like pulled up next to me. I thought I had killed her off. But you never kill off Des. That's what we, that's what I learned. She's never dead. So she pulled up next to me with 800 to go and then just like, you know, blew my doors off. So she was fourth. I was fifth. Um, so we're sitting there and she, you know, like Des is one of my idols. Like she's one of my heroes of the sport. Uh, I've looked up to her for years. Uh, and so I'm pretty nervous sitting next to her and I want to say something to her, but I also am like, like really intimidated. So she luckily turns to me and says, can I ask you a question? And I was like, oh my God, what's happening? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, be cool, Laura. Like, be cool. Like, play it off. So I was like, yeah, sure. Um, and she was like, why did you lead so much? Uh, <laughs> and she was like, it was so windy. Like, you know, it's a tough course. Like, do you think maybe that's like, you know, why you just missed out on the, on the top three spots? Like, you did so much leading, basically. Uh, and so I had to like defend my race <laughs> to Des. So I told her exactly what I told you guys. Um, and then she just said, okay. And like, that's all she said. So then I was sitting there in silence for like another like half hour, just like, oh my God, Des thinks I'm like a loser. <laughs> like, she's just like, dude, why do you lead so much? <laughs> like, I'm like, oh. Okay. All right. So Julie, all right. All right. Let's pull back the curtain, Julie. You just texted Des. I texted Des. No, she. Okay. Okay. So what did I she said, say? I said, I, I was like, you got to explain this conversation. She goes, she starts laughing and she's like, 
honestly, I was just generally just curious, like why she led for the first like 15 miles of the race. Really She's fun. like, no big deal. I just was curious. That's really well, fun. and it was funny because I obviously told this story on Allie on the right, Run, yeah. and then I told it to David Monty, who like wrote this article before New York. And so it was everywhere, and I felt horrible because I feel like people were, like, giving death so much shit for just, like, saying okay. Um, and so then I saw her on the start line of New York because she was uh, she was going to be on the lead women's truck. And uh, I was like, man, I'm so sorry. And she just started laughing, and she was like, I said, I just said okay. She's like, I'm introverted. Like, I don't always have a lot to say. <laughs> and she's like, it made it sound like I'm like, I was like a jerk. See, just and like, here's, okay. the, here's the thing. Like, both you guys just didn't make the team. Both you guys, guys probably, you can't pee because you just ran. So you're in there for, for I don't know how Forever. long you're in there. I was in there for hours. It was hours, like dark right? when I came out. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right. Okay. Oh, All right. God. We can move on. We wanted to talk to you about the Marshall Fire. That's so funny. I, I I interrupted you, Julie. If there was something, there was something else you wanted to add on there. No, we're good. Okay. All right. So, um, we Laura, we can on. edit out some of these pieces yeah, too. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. Okay. If awesome. we just sound that awkward was, and weird, that's no, okay. no, no. That was that was fantastic. We always come off um, awkward and weird, right. so it's yeah, totally cool. We're in it together. Um, We're in it together. It's yeah, good. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, you are. Um, you know. All right. Well, that the, those were two amazing races. Congratulations on both of them. Um, super important. Um, but you know, uh, amazing. Uh, how life kind of ha what what happens in life and and you know what's important may not seem so important and these Marshall fires I mean did that change your perspective on everything tell us about when they hit and then where you were and how you felt about them yeah um <clears throat> it still doesn't feel real to be honest it's you know it'll be three weeks tomorrow and uh I think uh, myself, along with so many here, are still processing the reality of what has happened and where our community now sits. Um, I was home. Uh, I live in Superior, uh, Colorado, one of the, the communities that got hit. Um, I was just, I just got back from a run uh, on Coal Creek, uh, which is not really there anymore. Um, and I was just sitting on my couch on my phone and I got this like email alert that said the town of Superior is um, like on a mandatory evacuation notice. And I was like, what? Like for what? Uh, and I look out my window and like it's blue sky and it was windy and I was like, okay. And then I got another alert saying that like superior residents were being asked to evacuate immediately. Um, and then people started texting me, uh, one of which was my friend and old teammate, Maddie Alm. Uh, and she was like, Hey, like, I just saw that superiors on like an evacuation notice. Like there's fires somewhere. She's like, are you okay? Like, are you evacuating? And I was like, yeah, I guess so. And I was like, fires, where are these fires? Like I, again, like from where I was, I couldn't see smoke. I couldn't really see anything. Um, so I didn't know what was going on. Um, so I was like, okay. So I went upstairs and packed an overnight bag. Like, I don't, again, like you're just not, you live in, you live in suburban Boulder. So, and it's December. So you're not really prepared for any type of evacuation. Um, so I pack an overnight bag and then like just last minute, like threw in like some documents. Uh, and then I got in my car and Maddie's like, well, why don't you come to my place? Like she lives out in North Boulder. And I was like, all right. <clears throat> so I get in my car, I pull out of my complex onto Rock Creek Parkway 
drive up to McCaslin Boulevard and it is like a completely different scene. They have it, there's police, there's fire trucks, they have it all blocked off. Um, so you can't go down McCaslin to get on 36 to head into Boulder. Um, and you just see smoke, like it's just black mm. over towards Louisville. Um, and I was like, what is happening? Um, at that point, my phone had crashed. Uh, like, because I've, I just think like the towers and so many people were trying to figure out what was going on. So I had no service. Uh, I didn't know what was happening. So they rerouted us on McCaslin South. Um, I sat on McCaslin for over an hour in my car, um, and just like gridlock traffic. And as you're sitting there, you can just start to see like the smoke behind you. Um, and like, again, the sky is black and you're just like, I don't know what's happening. Uh, but this isn't good. Like something is actually happening. These aren't, this wasn't a precautionary evacuation. These fires aren't off East somewhere on the plains. Like they're in our community. Um, so that was the scariest moment for me. Cause at one point I thought I was actually going to have to get out of my car and just like run, like, wow. like, just like right. for my life, like, cause you're not moving and you're just starting to like realize the reality of what's happening. Um, and everyone's kind of in a panic. Uh, and so I finally got out of Superior, but it took me three hours to get from my door all the way to North Boulder because I had to drive all the way through Denver around towards Fort Collins and then like back in Longmont to like North Boulder. To How Madison. long would that usually take? It's like 20 minutes. Wow. <laughs> so wow. I was in my car for like three hours. Again, wow. no idea what was going on. Right. Um, <clears throat> I get to Maddie's. Maddie grew up in Louisville. Her parents still live there. So while I was driving to her house, Louisville obviously went on to an emergency, like state of emergency evacuation. So her parents were trying to evacuate. They couldn't get out of Louisville. Um, I get to her place. We turn on the news. And that's when it just like hit. And you just start to see like, oh, my God, like places that I go every day, places I was just at, like are burning um, Davidson Mesa was burning at that point on the news, uh, Harper Lake, um, the rec center just down the road, uh, you know, superior, like Costco and target there, were, you know, there were reports that those were burning, uh, old town superior was burning. Like all, it was just happening so quickly. And that was the thing too. This all happened in a matter of like four hours, like mm -hmm. everything just went up, um, so incredibly quickly. And so luckily Maddie's parents got out, they came to her apartment to drop off the animals, um, and we were all just glued to the TV, just watching this horrific event unfold. Um, and so at that point, I, the fire was like coming towards my condo from like three different directions. Um, but it was hard because on the news, it was happening so quickly that the reporting was all over the place. So like they didn't really know what was burning. So they were just throwing kind of like rough areas of where the fire was at. So they kept saying Rock Creek Parkway, which like I live right off of Rock Creek. Um, they said the fire was up by a Vista hospital in Monarch High School, which is less than a mile from where I live. Um, it was down below Rock Creek coming off the other direction by Safeway, which is like 800 meters, like a half mile from where I live. Um, and so at one point they reported that the apartments directly behind my condos were burning. So I just assumed if that was the case, that there was just no way my condo was going to make, we'll it. make it. So I went to bed Friday night, uh, finally, after like watching like, you know, hours of this. And I was just like, I'm not going to like, my place is going to be gone. Like, I'm not wow. going to have a place tomorrow along with thousands of people in our community. Like, cause you're just watching structures burn all night long on the television. Um, and so it wasn't until Friday morning, like midday, 
that I got word from a friend that our condos were still standing. Mm -hmm. Um, But at that point, Maddie, who was also an assistant coach at Monarch High School with me, um, we reached out to our head coach, Kent Reeder. And like the first thing we started doing Friday morning was checking in on our kids. All of our kids live out here. Um, You know, all of our Monarch families are out here. Um, And so we just wanted to make sure one, that everyone was safe. uh, And then two, just starting to kind of slowly assess the damage um, as, as far as just, you know, who had homes, who didn't, um, and then just trying to figure out where to go from there to just to help our kids. Um, but again, like you're not, no one's prepared for that. No one really knows what to do in the aftermath of what this was. Um, it was just all very surreal, uh, but all you just instantly want to start helping because mm-hmm. just it was just, it was just horrific devastation. It's just, it's horribly sad out here still. It's heartbreaking. Let me, let me, let me hold, hold on for a second about, I want to, we want to get into what you did with, with all your athletes at Monarch, uh, as you're a coach over there. Um, but with the caveat that you're not a fire expert, like how did it start and why couldn't it contain it? Why did it, you know, spread so wildly? Yeah, I think there's still, um, like, in the middle of an investigation to try and figure mm-hmm. that out. Um, initially we were told it was a power line that blew over. Okay. Cause that, I think on Thursday that day, that was the problem was Boulder had uh, like, I think it was the winds were up to 115 miles an hour in Boulder windy, that day. Right. So that's why the fire was spreading and just hopping like randomly, like everywhere. Like it got, it covered a huge area in such a short time because the winds were just so incredibly high that day. Um, so they thought it, that the winds had blown over a power line. Well, come to find out when Excel started to like survey kind of the damage, um, they reported that none of their power lines had actually blown over. Hmm. Um, and so then it turned out that uh, it was man-made um, and it started off of Marshall Road, um, which kind of like connects Louisville Superior to South Boulder. Um, and there's homes all along Marshall Road down there. Um, so now they believe it was man-made mm. and that someone or a few people, a group of people were out there burning trash or burning something that day. And again, with how dry it had been, we Colorado hadn't had a drop of moisture in like weeks, you know, end of December. And it's the driest winter we've ever had. Um, and then with the winds, it just obviously got out of control. Um, and then it just, it just went. Right. So, um, so that's what they think happened, but I think it's still under investigation right now. I read this morning that they, um, are struggling with the investigation because it snowed after the fires, right? Directly I mean, terrible, like, terrible, timing, terrible timing, terrible timing. It just, snowed 24 hours earlier. And then it came 24 hours later, right after all this happened. And it just made a mess of everything. Yeah. So they're struggling to investigate uh correctly because there's just a pile of snow that dumped um but wow i I just cannot i mean i'm trying to walk through this moment and emotion Mm -hmm. for you guys as you're figuring this out so so tell us about the families i mean did how long did it take for people to know whether their homes were still standing or not i think it it happened quickly for some because some like it it wiped out entire subdivisions it wiped out entire neighborhoods so a lot of that was being um uh like a lot of that was out on the news uh and so a lot of people in those areas just knew that their homes were gone based off the subdivisions that had burned um but a lot of others didn't know right away because um 
their homes were standing or they had reports that their homes were standing, but their homes were standing in the middle of a burn area. So like some of our kids, their homes are like the only ones on an entire street that are still standing or it's like Mm. their home, two other homes. And then like, that's it. So somehow by like a miracle of God, their homes made it, but the damage is catastrophic still. Like, you know, a lot of kids who have homes standing in those burn areas, um, the damage is so much on the inside uh, that like nothing can really be salvaged. Um, And they obviously can't move back in. Or some people, their homes are okay, but like it's going to be a process to clean everything and to get everything out and then back in. So a lot of families are still displaced, even though they do have homes. um, And they're trying to start that process of getting back into their homes. But um, for some people that, you know, that could go all the way to like summer. Um, So a lot of people, it's kind of a mix. Quite a few lost homes, I believe over a thousand uh, homes were lost. Uh, And then a lot of homes are still standing and have made it. Um, But so many families are displaced because, you know, there's just an extent of damage done to their homes. So thousands of people have, um, are trying to figure out their next step right now. So, so what happens when people are displaced? Where are people living right now? And uh, was the school damaged? The school wasn't damaged um, somehow. Uh, right across the street was the fi- uh, the hospital. Right across the street is still standing, wow. but again, really, really, really bad smoke damage. Um, Monarch is fine. Um, the they started classes two weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. More is just a kind of give some fam, give the families and kids some normalcy, yeah. give the kids a place to go uh, as parents try and figure out kind of what this next step looks like. Um, a lot of families that we've been delivering things to um, are living in hotels right mm-hmm. now, um, trying to figure out where they can go. Um, it's such an expensive place to live out here. Um, and now it seems as though costs have just skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of families are trying to navigate that and there's just no inventory right now either. Um, so a lot of families are moving to Broomfield, um, Westminster, Lafayette, kind of the surrounding areas of Superior and Louisville, just outside of Boulder County. Um, but I still have quite a few families in hotel rooms, um, mm-hmm. who are trying to figure out what things look like. Um, and so that's why Maddie and I, that Friday after the fires, we started a GoFundMe, uh, page for our monarch athletes um because at that point we knew of four who had lost homes um and then i think now we're at six where if like some of those families actually have homes standing but again the damage is so catastrophic that they can't really move back in um and so the goal was to just try and provide some funds for these families that you know could help with temporary housing food cars a lot of families lost cars um Mm -hmm. so they're having to buy cars on top of trying to figure out where they're gonna live um and so we set our our goal at like three thousand dollars because we were like well if we can give each family who has literally nothing right now um like 500 bucks just to help with something that's a start um and again so it was really cool because you know in events like this they're so tragic um they're so heartbreaking but in that you see the community just come together and mm-hmm. our running community was no exception. Um, not only the running community here in Boulder, but just nationally, um, people stepped up and supported in ways that I just found incredibly overwhelming. Um, and we've raised almost $30,000 wow. um, for our so family. Is that, is that GoFundMe still up? Where can we, where can we 
contribute? Um, I don't believe it's up anymore. Okay. Um, I believe Maddie told me last week they just finally released the funds to her. Wow. So next week, um, she's actually uh, on um, vacation right now. Right. Um, but when she gets back, uh, she and our head coach, Kent Reeder, um, are going to sit down and uh, divide that between um, our families who have lost everything. So you um, started for five, you wanted $500 per family. Yeah, we started you, with the goal of $3,000. <laughs> um, and we've raised almost 30000 So that five. was just overwhelming to me. That's awesome. Um, because that's, you know, for our, divided among our families, that's a substantial amount of money to help them, again, with rent, car yep. payments. Um, groceries, clothing, which was also overwhelming. Maddie and I also started a clothing drive mm -hmm. um, for a lot of our kids and our families who, again, had lost everything or couldn't get back into homes to get anything. Um, and that was overwhelming. The community stepped up and just donated bags upon bags upon bags of clothing. People went out to Target and bought brand new clothes and like deodorant and, you know, shampoo and all of the brushes. And, you know, they did that for our families. Um, the shoe company stepped in enormously. Uh, Brooks stepped in, uh, Hoka stepped in, Saucony stepped in, Nike stepped in, Wiesel stepped in, wow. New Balance stepped in. Um, all of these big companies send us brand new shoes, boxes of brand new apparel. Um, and so we've been able to build these really big, uh, like bins just full of, of clothing and shoes and all these other necessities that families need. Um, we had about 12 or 15 families um, reach out to Maddie and I um, asking if, if they could um, get some assistance. And so we've been able to build about that many boxes um, and are just finishing delivering those this week um, as people kind of get settled and kind of figure out uh, what this next step looks like. But um, yeah, it's just, again, it's, it's heartbreaking. Uh, and it's just been really sad and emotional. Um, but at the same time, you're just seeing so many people come together to support our community, their community. Um, and it's just, it's just been incredible. It is, really it is incredible. And, and so you are from Colorado. Mm -hmm. You, you went to the university of Colorado Boulder. So you have been part of this community, this running community there forever. Yes. What is it? What is it about this community, this running community, that rallies together so effectively? Yeah, I I just think that's one of the things that makes our sport so truly incredible is the support and the camaraderie that you see uh, amongst athletes and amongst competitors. And I just think the community as a whole, like running's really hard. It's a really really hard event, no matter what level you're doing it at, no matter how old you are, no matter what group or coach you're with, like it's really hard. And so I think that fosters a ton of respect, um, for each other. And so in times of need, when those in our community are suffering, uh, people are so quick to step in and to offer any type of support and help that they can. Um, and that's the only way you get through things like this is coming together, supporting each other, being kind to one another, loving each other, lifting one another. Like it's the only way we're going to get through this. I mean, it's going to be years before a community is ever resembles what it did. And, um, you know, families will be displaced for years, months. Like it's, that's, what's also so hard about this is it's just, it's just going to take so long for us to rebuild, but the community is very resilient here. Um, mm -hmm. and so I think we will rebuild and we will overcome this. Um, but it, again, it, it's with the help of so many that have stepped in, uh, to do that and to make sure that that can happen. So that's just been an incredible 
um, thing to see and to be a part of. Um, but again, I'm just so incredibly grateful to our running community. Um, just so many people have reached out and stepped up, um, in ways that like, I just never would have imagined. So, so. so for you, Laura Thweet, like you are coming off injury, you're, you're on fire. You, you run a great Olympic trials, you run a great New York. And then this happens. I started the conversation kind of with perspective. Um, does that change your perspective? Has it changed how you've been able to, uh, run professionally? Is it, you know, help motivation, hurt motivation? Where are you personally? I think initially it hurt motivation because the week after the fires, seeing what people were going through, seeing some of my high school kids having just lost everything. Um, it was so heartbreaking that in the grand scheme of things, running seemed so like just unnecessary. Like I was just like, why would I prioritize my training right now? Like, that's so like, I, why would I do that? Like it just, my perspective changed as far as like, there are so many people whose lives have just been literally burned to the ground. Uh, and they're trying to figure out how to start over. Mm -hmm. I can't even begin to imagine what that would be like having been one of the lucky ones who still has a home here. Yeah. Um, and so it felt really weird to just like go about normal life because nothing is normal out here. Like nothing is normal. Uh, so running at that point just felt like it just, I, I, I didn't, I didn't want to prioritize my training. It just seemed so silly. Um, but now being a little bit more removed from it and um, a coach that I'm working with now had a really great perspective and was just like, you know, like your running is essentially what helps give you this platform mm -hmm. to help the people that you're wanting to help. And he was like, you're a high school coach. Your girls look up to you. You know, they are inspired by what you do when you're out on the roads, when you're out on the track, like use that, like use your running yeah. to help your community. You and probably help, don't raise $30,000 yeah. <laughs> if you aren't who you are. You probably yeah. don't. You um, and so that was his point was just like, yeah. you can use your running in a whole different light mm -hmm. moving forward and your running can help your community heal and it can help your community rebuild and it can just help your kids as they try and kind of get back to some type of normalcy themselves. Um, seeing you continue to do that and to overcome can essentially help others to do the same. Yeah. So looking at it that way, it's kind of given me a new light and a new perspective on my own running. Um, and that's made it a little bit easier for me to kind of dive back in and, and do what I love. Like I love running, like I love running. Um, you know, I love what I train for. I love that I get to do this as a job. I feel so incredibly lucky every single day. Um, but it's definitely been hard the last couple of weeks. Um, again, when you're just, you look around on a daily basis and you just see this horrific devastation that has befallen your community. Um, it does kind of change your perspective in that moment on what's important. Yeah. Well, I hope that you are giving yourself some time to grieve as well, because you've had to step in, you know, as someone whose home survived and um, be the strength for so many people. Right. And uh, I'm sure this is like a full time job for you right now. Yeah. The way that you were responding to emails when we were reaching out and saying, hey, you know, do you guys need anything? And like 20 within like 30 minutes, there's like these are the sizes we need this is the, and i'm like oh my gosh it's like all over it I, I know i mean this is a this is a full-time job for you right now which is is beautiful right in your ability mm -hmm. to step up and and provide strength for the people that you care so much about but 
it takes a toll on you too. So we're, we're thinking of you and we're, you know, we're, we're pushing you from behind. So, um, keep, yep. keep it up. These, and these, I, and these I, kids I, need I, you. I am a huge Laura Sweet fan. And I, maybe I'm new to new on the bandwagon. You're new in the fan new, club. New the I fan love club. it. I'm honored. You can join, right. you can join on so my my you, my you can, my you shoulders. Follow, give her give her a follow on Twitter. It's uh, uh, sweet one, and then Instagram. It's L Sweet um, and uh, Laura. So uh, before we let you go here, um, you are back running. We're super excited to see what you've got next. Um, you were with the Boss Hard Group. You've moved on. Um, Who's coaching you? <laughs> the question. Um, yeah, I am actually working with a new coach. Um, I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be a really great fit. Um, I haven't made that public yet. And as much as I love you guys. Uh, <laughs> I thought, you know, I thought she made the, the big announcement. You just, maybe if you hadn't just jumped on the bandwagon, right, Chris. Right, if I had been a long time. Yeah, 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 say, yeah. That's what hurt you. A little you. too early, um, Chris. So close though. Um, I mean, I, I coached myself all summer and fall leading into New York. Um, that was an amazing experience. It showed me that I can do hard things. I'm more capable than I think I am. And I really do know what I want and what I need to be successful moving forward. So I'm grateful for that kind of interim period. Um, but at the start of the new year, I was uh, lucky enough to make, uh, something work that I've really wanted uh, I wanted to work with this person for quite a while. Awesome. So, um, I'm excited new year. Um, so new exciting year, new to year. fly ahead. Yes, yeah. exactly. That's great. And, and do you have, do you have a race? You and your coach have a race that you're targeting now? Um, I'm that? targeting the New York half. Um, okay. I want to go back yeah, yeah. to New York, cool. open up the new year there. It's one of my favorite cities to race in. Never done that half. So it's been on yeah. my bucket list for years. Seems like a good year to knock her off. Um, yeah. And then probably get back on the track um, and try and sharpen up a little bit. Because uh, the marathon, Kira, she's changing the game, I baby. Totally. Oh, I got to get faster. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, Laura, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate it. We look forward to following your success. And congratulations on all you've done for your community. Amazing. Over $30,000 raised for some needy families there. And glad you're doing okay. Thank it you. It's really, really scary. And so it's good to see that you're actually doing okay. Yes, uh, I am okay. Yeah. and. Uh, yeah, so trucking along one day at a time. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you guys. Awesome. All right, that's Laura Three. She joined us on Pace the Nation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. Pace the Nation is brought to you by Pacers Running Stores. Pacers has six stores in Northern Virginia and D.C. For the best running footwear, apparel, and gear, just stop by or schedule a virtual fitting with the best running experts in the business. Pacers Running exists to help as many people as possible through running. For every run, it's Pacers Running. All right, welcome back to the program. And thanks again to Laura Thweet for joining us on today's program. Um, I am a new fan on the Congratulations. I, sh- I should have been a fan. I mean, I, we saw her in Atlanta. And, you know, I, of course, you heard her name and she ran, you know, uh, two uh, she ran the London Marathon in two, 2017. She ran 225. So obviously, you know, she was in the conversation to be on the Olympic team. And um, but yeah, this guy, this guy, new fan. Uh, well, Laura's been a steady force on the scene for a long time, and yeah. we've seen incredible performances out of her. I I'm really excited to hear her energy 
-hmm. about this next chapter because she's reaching that place where she's got enough under her belt. I love that she's taking some time to get back on the track and get some turnover going. Um, I think we could see some really big performances from her in the next few years. Um, and certainly the way American women's distance running is yep. going right now. I mean, the, the game is changing and the bar has been raised and everyone so, has been put on notice. So I wanted to, I, I wanted to, I'm glad you brought that up. I wanted to touch on that before we get out of here. Um, you know, as we broadcast here, or we, I'm sorry, as we record here on January 19th, this past weekend was the Houston half marathon and marathon. And we saw two women's American records set. Unbelievable. By not only, you know, amazing women distance runners, but 37, 38 year olds. I mean, I'm not saying you're, you know, going to get back at it, Julie, but you're not that much older than them. <laughs> I've crested. I've been forties now. Yeah, that's Four true. zero next to my name. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you have to say, cause you have a Wikipedia page. I feel like when you have a Wikipedia page, you actually have to be truthful about your name, right? Cause you, you've got that blue check mark on your Twitter. You're like legit. Why you know? are we so talking about me? Because <laughs> we usually talk about me. But anyways, all right. So that was the side. Amazing performances. Kira Diamato set the American record in the marathon. And that was referenced. You guys referenced her during the interview uh, there with Laura. What did she run? Some incredible time. 219.12 to wow. break Dina Castor's record. I mean, that is just obscene. Yeah. It really it really is obscene. <laughs> She's averaging I think 520 520 per mile yep. uh for 26.2 miles. Um she did it in Houston this past weekend, cross the finish line, her kids are there. Um just an incredible story. And she's local for yep. us in this uh Pace the Nation podcast broadcasting from the center of the universe. I don't Correct. know if she knows that Arlington is the center of the universe. She's a uh, Richmond, Virginia um resident she, she's but resident now she was she she went to Upton high school northern virginia yeah northern went virginia up here yep. yep went to american university is now the american record holder in the women were you marathon. a coach at american when she was there no we we just missed each other okay, uh gotcha. she's i think is she two years younger than me is she 38 or is she 37 she's 37 yeah yeah yep. so she uh she graduated um right before i came you started to the dc area yeah got it well, that was an amazing performance. We've had her on Pace the Nation before, of course. Um, she goes uh, famously for rupier floats after good performances. So she probably <laughs> had a number of those uh, this past week, uh, this weekend. Uh, and then your your friend Sarah Hall, who we actually haven't on had on Pace the Nation, unbelievable performance uh, for that 38-year-old Sarah Hall, setting the American record in the half marathon on the same day. What was her time? Sarah ran 67.15. She wow. took that American record from Molly Huddle, um, who has been on the show. Yes, correct. Um, yep. And and the fact that this happened on the same day, within minutes I of know. each other, yep. it's just mind-blowing. It, it means yeah. Sarah breaks the American record. Ryan is there at the finish line. Ryan owns the American record in the half marathon. This is the family of the half marathon. Um, <laughs> yep. Ryan did it 15 years prior. I know. And so to be able to share that together as a family and think about the two of them, I mean, they were, they, they're the same age. So yeah. him doing it so early in his career, her doing it so late in her career and building an entire family in between, 
is just, I mean, it's just beyond work. It, it, it's, it's just crazy. Like what is happening with um, people who are athletes who are, you know, in their late thirties and, you know, everybody, it's a football playoff time. Now everybody's talking about Tom Brady and Tom Brady and he's 44 years old and maybe the MVP of the league probably won't win MVP, but man, it's just, you know, it, this, there's no excuse. Getting older is not an excuse anymore. It's yeah. crazy. It is when your uh, body and, breaks down. Like mine. Well, when your body breaks down, but, yes. but I think people don't acknowledge, and maybe we're starting to do much more now, that perspective, experience, yeah. you know, you are getting older. It's getting harder. Your body's recovering slower. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the game changes in terms of what you're capable of doing. But experience and perspective is is everything in sport. Yeah. yeah. Amazing performances um, out there. Um, and, you know, the, the, the record that Dina had was for, and I'll just say that I, she had it for a long time. Uh, Kira may have it for a long time, but I'm not sure. Yeah. There might be somebody waiting in the wings who runs, you know, sub new 219. Um, yeah. Who's an American runner. Um, yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of individuals um, who are capable of, running quite a bit faster. I mean, I obviously am very fixated on women's, uh, American women's running. Um, but what she did was absolutely phenomenal, Kira. Um, mm -hmm. But I do, there is some incredible talent in the marathon right now. And yep. again, I think everyone's been put on notice. And it's one of those moments where that marathon record may stand for a long time. But I think, I think Kira has given the community some confidence to start to push the threshold even further. Cause I think Dina's record was just so out of reach. I mean, Sarah right. Hall went after that record last year and it, you know, it wasn't her day, but her training was showing her that she was capable she of that. Kira's yeah. training was showing her that she was capable of, of it and, and hit it on that day. And we all know if you've run a marathon, which I have not, but um, that a lot has to go right in order yep. for you to have your day. We heard from Laura today, everything was pointing in the right direction for her to have a massive breakthrough in New York. And she said, she's still trying to collect her soul <laughs> right, from right. that course. Um, and so you have all these indicators and we have women that are training at a very high level that are seeing those indicators. Um, Kira, Kira had the wind at her back, not literally, but she yep. just, she had her day. Um, and I think, we're going to see um, some women going for it um, a little bit more frequently now. So really yeah. exciting time. Yeah. It's really competitive out there. Um, <laughs> uh, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to end on this though. Something that's competitive in our household. As a oh transition. Lord. Uh, okay. Wordle. Oh. Wordle is, Wordle <laughs> is like taking over the world, at least for the people who I follow on, um, on social, social media. media. Okay. I know our producer, Chris, he's doing wordles. Um, I got it yesterday. I got it today. It is like the first thing I think of when I, when I wake up. Wow. Is wordle. <laughs> There's a lot of things that come to mind as priorities. About well, it's wordle. Like, the, the, the game is Do genius. I make your life so easy <laughs> that the first thing that you think about <laughs> in any given day the is game wordle. is genius. New word every single day. Okay. So people are like waiting for the, everybody has the same word and you're trying to get the word. And you know what the genius part about it is? What? It's not that hard to actually win. 
So they make it pretty easy to win. And there's different, different levels of winning. You get it in so many different times. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners are, are familiar with this wordle thing. Um, you have <clears throat> beaten me in our last four matches. You've beaten me twice. Uh, and then you DNF the other two times. So we're two and two. <laughs> we're two and two. No, I haven't DNF'd so, yet. I DNF'd no, yesterday. You did DNF I still have a whole day to attack okay. the new world. All right. So um, all right. here's the thing about our relationship. I can't lose to you. <laughs> True. So the first two times I did it, I got it in, you know, three tries. Yep. And beat you both times. Correct. And then yesterday I was hacking at it and I got to a point where I was tied with you and still hadn't won. And he so knew said, that I was going to have out. to go one more try and you were going to win. So I just quit and gave up. Right. So yeah, that's all right. That tells me a lot about you. I'm a little bit of a brat <laughs> yeah. and okay. I like to, I like to win. Yes. You and I are slightly competitive individuals. Yeah, very true. So you put something like this in there and I'm like, I, I cannot lose. So yeah. I will DNF. Before, Before I will lose to you. All right. So Wordle is what I wanted to bring up. All right. Maybe it's not the most important thing when I wake up. Fine. That's Golly. I mean, uh, it's a little dramatic. I've got a got five-month-old next to my head. I know, I know. That's, a, that's what I'm waking up to. And then the next game. thought is coffee. It's <laughs> it's baby coffee. Baby. Right. And the other two, I'm like, you're on your own, kids. Right. That's but right. All right. All right. Well, great show, uh, Julie. Uh, thanks again to our fantastic guest today, professional runner from Saucony, Laura Thweet. Uh, give her a follow. It's uh, Thweet1 on Twitter, and it's Thweet on Instagram. Um, I'm instantly following both of those accounts. Yeah, you should, too. Maybe she's in Wordle. I don't know. If, we'll, we, we'll find out. We'll, Maybe we'll, she'll we'll start sending out. us her results. Yeah, exactly. All right. That's it for this episode of uh, Pace the Nation. For Julie Kelly, I'm Chris Farley. We will see you in two weeks.